Welcome to the North Dallas Suburban Alumni's Chapter's Candid Conversations with the Candidates podcast. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or Independents running for the Texas 30th Congressional District, District were invited to participate in our podcast series. The sorority is nonpartisan and does not endorse candidates. Tonight's conversation is with Mr. James Rogers, a candidate for the Texas 30th Congressional District, and tonight's conversation will be led by Ms. Sharisa Payne, Social Action Committee member. Sharisa? Good evening, Mr. Rogers, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm incredibly honored and encouraged to be on here. Wonderful. How would you say your experience has shaped you for this role? Well, um, see, there's a, a couple different things that have informed uh, my life and me for uh, representing uh, the, the South Dallas area. The, the first is one of the most formative kind of experiences in my life is when I was younger. I was born and raised in Waco, Texas. Uh, the schools at the time were abysmal. And my mom did not want my brother and I to have to go there. So uh, she cut a deal with the local private schools where after she got her night as a nurse, she would go to this private school and clean the, the bathrooms and mop the floors and, and serve the janitor. Uh, and that, that was really kind of impactful on me from seeing that at a young age because, A, uh, <laughs> you're not going to be surprised to notice the uh, school kids weren't, weren't all too nice to the uh, janitor's kids. And, B, the other kids in my neighborhood, because I, I didn't grow up with money, I, um, uh, and I would see that, that because they didn't have that same education access, their, their lives went down a different path. And, I, I didn't think that was fair. I didn't think that was right. And so I knew from an early age how powerful education was as a tool to kind of uh, change folk stars. The next thing I would say is just my history of working with people world uh, in all different types of backgrounds. So I've taught and, and worked in schools from the South London to Florida to all over Texas. And uh, I think those experiences of inform my ability to both communicate with people and then be an active listener. I think a lot of politicians lack in that ability and that humility to really genuinely listen to someone and empathize with what they're going through and then try and offer a solution just, you know, take away their pain and make the, 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 the lack of comfort and the, the uncomfortable mass. Uh, and so the, the working with different kids from elementary up to, you know, uh, even at the university level. Uh, it also prepared me with understanding kind of some of our problems with poverty and the cyclical nature of it and, and how we can root it out, what has not worked and, and why it hasn't worked. And sometimes examining failures, especially up and I think some of these, these uh, public school models, it, you could pretty easily argue, are failures, and they failed a lot of the local communities. And unfortunately, those are our most vulnerable population. Uh, and then, you know, I think the, the third thing has been probably, uh, you know, my, um, my experience with small business and things like that, because our economy is in a, a very rough spot, um, and uh, we need to empower our dollar 
for, like I said, those most vulnerable. We need to focus on creating community wealth at the bottom and trying to make sure that we're pumping money there and making sure that we're uplifting those local communities with gentrifying opportunities on wealth programs. So I guess those would be the three. I don't want to point on the first question and, and eat up all my time and lose the entire audience. No problem. We appreciate that. What do you think are two things that you believe the district desperately needs, and what would your what would be your plan to secure them? Yeah, the this is easy for me because I think the the most pervasive thing hitting me is generational poverty, a one in five poverty rate for more than four decades is um, just you know unacceptable, especially when you look at every surrounding community, uh, Frisco and Park and McKinney and all these other areas are adding industry and wealth and jobs and their kids are thriving and getting more opportunity than our. So for me, I think the two places you have to do the most work, and I think it's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck is going to be education and then the community wealth piece, specifically looking at industry. Uh, and so on the industry side, and I'll come to that piece first, at a federal level, first off, we have to ensure the security of our dollar. Right now, we keep creating new debt. And, and you know, it's all it's like printing money. Um, and and this, is not a, this is not a Democrat or a issue. They're both, you know, uh, guilty of this. Uh, under George uh, Bush, it was the, you know, the war and... Uh, the housing crisis. Well, we have to print this, create this debt because it's a system. And then under Obama, it was like the financial crisis. And under Trump, it was COVID. And now we're doing it again with COVID and, and student loans and, and just the, and these packages. And that's not sustainable because we don't actually have the money. We're just print by creating debt. And the problem that really is, is that it hurts our our middle-class people, because who is it that relies on the value of a dollar when you think of it? It's those people with checking accounts, those people with rent payments due, those people with car payments. They, they, they rely on the value of the dollar, whereas if you're a wealthy person, if you're of that elite class, you can diversify your assets more easily. So you have stocks, you own you don't have these things that rely on that, and if the dollar dips and if it's we just print a bunch, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to hurt our poorest. And so we, we've been taxing the poor, essentially, to pay for the, these things every time we print it, and we don't talk about it. And yet we see the results, and we just don't do anything the other way. And so the poor get poorer, and it's just it's a completely messed up system. So we've got to cut. The, both sides have shown that they can't be trusted with the ability to just create debt wholesale. That The other thing is we've got to make sure that we're keeping our important programs. We have borrowed criminally almost from Social Security and Medicaid, and a lot of elderly folks aren't going to get their retirement money, and that means a lot of vulnerable aren't going to get their health care because we keep borrowing from it. We are facing 210 unfunded liabilities. That's a financial cliff of, of just we can't pay this, and the, the solution of just borrowing and printing has just created more poor people, so we've got we can't touch those funds. We've got to make sure that our, our people that are in most need are taken care of. Those baseline programs, you have to look at efficiency because we don't spend wisely. We spend on a lot of things over and over. So I would like to incentivize 
the, the wealthy and the taxpayers, because they're the people have their money. They're going to use it however they wish. They put it in places, well, you know, same in the Cayman Islands and places where we don't get that tax revenue. And the Democrats are big into chasing that money down and like, oh, well, we just we have to set the right trap and we'll go get it. And they they never end up getting it. They they wealthy end up moving their money far too easily. And so I do the opposite approach. I would want to incentivize investment where we have general poverty. So the the local business owner here in South Dallas and Oak Cliff can open up a chain. And that gal that has a great idea, she gets the investment money and that's she needs to start her business. As long as it's non gentrifying, I think that's one of the biggest things we can and you create and you want to bring in industry, whether it's you know, I've talked about bringing in blockchain mining because that's you guys on the job training. You don't need to go to college and get get debt. Uh, you can do uh, easily on the job training for people who maybe have messed up and they have that criminal record and they need a, just need a chance. Well, these are hundred and hundred and fifty thousand a year jobs. Then that's not including the auxiliary like the carpenters, the welders, the people that they're going to pay for the, you know, where they're going to go eat, where they're going to go sleep, the houses they're going to buy. A rising tide raises all boats. And I want to pump as much money as I can in there. You've got to have discipline with what to do. So you got to educate. You can't tell people, you know, pull yourself up by your if they don't have boots. So you got to, that education piece. Right now, Dallas ISD, you've got a chance that you can read at a basic level. 47% chance you can do math at a basic level. And yet if if my child were just born right across the street, they'd go to Highland Park, a doctor, an engineer. And what's worse, the money that's pumped into a lot of the low-income schools doesn't actually go to what I would say are community wealth-building endeavors. If you look at a lot of the low-income schools, you'll see the best football stadiums and the best basketball courts and things. Go up to McKinney and Frisco and things like that, you're looking at an engineering lab, an early literacy programs and, and math labs, and you're telling one group of kids that you're the glass and you go out and entertain us in the games, and you're telling one group of kids that they're the doctors and engineers, you mean to or not, that's the message you're sending. And I've seen that resonate, and I've seen that impact kids who think their only way out of, of poverty is not with their mind, but their athleticism, and, and we've got to flip that script and make that education access available to because right now, the, 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 there's two pieces that we've got to be honest about, and that is that we have choice, but it's only for the very wealthy, and, and it's those who can pay for private school or those to move to the districts of choice. With Everyone else is said, stuck with the school they get. With that being said, what role will you play uh, in strengthening economic development in Dallas County? Oh, well, I would want to you know get as much of that opportunity zone money to come in as possible. So, uh, the, you know, Eddie Bernice Johnson was not a fan of the Opportunity Zone model. And uh, $5 billion in just the first year alone. And Texas, if you look at what was divvied out, Houston got almost five times as much as Dallas. And, and the places that it went to Dallas, it revitalized some of those spots in Oak Cliff. And you can point out the little streets and stuff where people were in. So I want to expand that as much opportunities. The second thing is I'd like to look at using tax incentives to bring in industrial growth to the area. So the same reason where they're bringing the factories where all these engineers and things are going to work, I want to put those in South Dallas to be well. And the third thing is the deserts, right? So we have to be honest, we have medical deserts, we have food deserts. We'll 
if I my child wants to go to get health care, you know, I have to drive her to another neighborhood. Not only do I have to, you know, get the health care over there in this other neighborhood, the doctors and the nurses live in that one. So the money is over there, too. We've got to get food deserts in it. We've got to bring in, make sure people have access to the health care and quality food at a, at a reasonable rate to where we can, like I said, incentivize from the local community. And I think you could do both those fairly easily at the federal level because the framework is already... And there shouldn't be too much opposition because they've proven successful from 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 a bipartisan perspective, at least from a moderate perspective. What do you think sets you apart from your from your opponents, and why should the district elect you to represent them? Um, well, I'm the tallest, so that's, you know, <laughs> that's definitely a, <laughs> it, it was uh, that was the, the only the metric. No, um, for the biggest thing that sets me about is. I am not a politician. Um, I am an old teacher and football coach who who got fed up with seeing a busted system. And I think the other thing is having worked on the front lines and banged my head up against the wall trying to solve and, and, and help kids that I thought were like me um, and that, that they just needed somebody to give them a chance, tools and such. Um, you see what doesn't work. And that's where I say to use those failures. I'm hoping, I'm praying. That, that all of my years of experience with the public education with small business ownership, that these lessons I learned, because they weren't all successful, can have that value, and I can, I can use that to represent the community. Uh, the other thing is, is working in, in those hardest to, uh, to survive in schools, hoods, um, I had to develop empathy. I had to understand. I wouldn't sit here and tell you that up in Waco, Texas, I was a multicultural person that came with going to these different and spending time in communities that weren't like mine, and that's around the world. I mean, even my job right now, missionary teachers around the world to try and get our most vulnerable populations the education access they need. And I think that that's, that's something, again, like when I look at our U.S. education, I know I harp on, we know that it leaves behind, uh, favors females to males at an early age. We the rich over the poor because of the neighborhood model, and we know that the diversity quotas pit unfair advantage to Asian Americans while disproportionately disadvantaging African Americans and his other degree. And when you look that up, if you're just two of those, right, if you're a male and you're poor, system is going to be really, the education system is going to be really hard to navigate. If you're three of those, so if I'm a poor male, the system is built for me to fail almost, and I would get so tired and I'm being these teacher and admin meetings, and I say this over and over, like, we're leaving these kids behind. And, and it's just like, yeah, but, well, they, you know, they shouldn't have been poor, or they shouldn't have been a minority, or they shouldn't have been a boy. This is the way the system, one size fits all, this is the best we can do. And so for me, you've got to sit down, you've got to have equality of education access. You will never change anything if the poorest owned by the worst schools. That's how the poor kids died poor adults. Sorry there, but this is just, it's a very personal thing for me when I look these kids in the eye on, like, classrooms and in these admin rooms, and knowing that the system is just like, well, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're the wrong person for an education, I guess, in America. You know, that's BS. I completely that's understand your passion for that. that one. Sorry. Oh, no worries. So what else would you like the constituents of District 30 to know? Um, just that I... I'm, I'm with them in that I'm part of this community. I live here. Um, I think a lot of misconceptions about me 
and and I'm trying to make sure that I'm involved as much as possible uh, because I, I know they hear you know maybe Republican and they have a certain inclination or a certain feeling, and I'd rather be judged on the merits and thoughts that I present and and the thing you know my good and, and my bad, not someone or someone you know something else's. And I think you know I, I get a lot of questions about why my Paul differ from maybe more mainstream Republicans and, and definitely the more extreme ones. And I think that's because people have become too embedded in sides and they've, they've let come, you know, politics become a team sport and they're not really asking who is best to represent, who's actually asking for a job to go and share my views and my values and my interests in another city where there's all this temptation to sell me out. And, you know, that's my big thing is no sides, just solutions. And, and if, if I'm not favorable to win, if, if somebody else wins, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> the favorite candidate, I'm still going to her move her because the better she does, that means that she's doing a great job for our district. And so people hear me and they say, oh, my God, I hate this guy. I cannot stand him. That's great. I'm registered to vote. And if, and if you love me, you know, get out there and make sure you're voting by by November eighth. If you hate me, definitely make sure you're voting by November ninth. So, <laughs> make, sure make sure you're representing. No, I'm joking. I mean that sincerely. Get out and vote and be educated. Like listen to these podcasts. Find out who's representing you and get there. Get early. Get to the ballot on the day of. Mail in whatever you got to do. This is important because we're at a, we're at a very important point in our life, and I think we need reasonable voices who want to put forth the. Future best for everyone. Well, thank you, Mr. Rogers, for this so very insightful conversation. Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is a 501c7 nonprofit organization. All candidates, Republicans, Democrats, or independents running for the Texas 30th Congressional District were invited to participate in our podcast series. Please continue to follow the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter social media pages for the next broadcast of the Candid Conversations with the Candidates. This is Deborah Curry, Social Action Chair of the North Dallas Suburban Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, wishing you all a good night. Thank you.